Hello, David Oakes here, and welcome to the second part of our Castle Howard special. If you've not heard part one with Nick Howard himself, emphasis on the Howard, you will probably want to listen to that first part before going any further. However, if you fancy a guided tour through the woodlands of the Howard estate with Nick Cook, the head of forestry here at Castle Howard, then you're very much in the right place. Here we go. In the depth of the forest, an old oak root, the pride of the greenwood there. O'er his branches the ivy her mantle threw when the forest boughs were bare. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh. Right, we'll walk up into Raywood and then... Are you right now? I'm Nick Cook, I'm the head forester at Castle Howard. How long have you been here now? Since 1975. There you go. Quite a long time. <laughs> there must be a reason why you want to stay, though. I mean, um, it's, it's fairly obvious, isn't it? Looking around, it's one of the most glorious places. I can't think of anywhere else. I'd rather live or work. Simple as that. How did you start here? What was, what was your role when you first came? Um, I came as a sandwich year in a university course. So I did environmental studies. And there was an advert for... A placement at Castle Howard uh-huh. in Raywood, which is where we're just walking up to now. Into. As I say, I had to come for an interview. Mm-hmm. My brother dropped me off at the obelisk, the big stone pillar at the mm-hmm. entrance, and I'd never been before. And I walked down the drive just open mouthed because I was. I mean, that drive is spectacular. Oh, it's fantastic. It's, it's bizarre. The first time you turn up and you see that oh, yeah. pyramid on the horizon, yeah, it's like, yeah. where am I going? Is this some kind of sort of It's such a wonderful cult? landscape. <laughs> it's bizarre. Yeah, well, yeah. And so I walked down and, and I just looked around and I couldn't believe it. And I remember I had to go and be interviewed by the agent of the day, who was, yeah, uh, not the easiest of men. And I was a typical student of the 70s. Mm-hmm. You know, I did have hair then and long... <laughs> And he looked at me over, he used, to, he used to put his glasses on the end of his nose and he looked at me and I could see he was thinking, God. Well, he says, I suppose so. So, so that was it. And so I worked for this year and I just fell in love with it. Simple as that. So when I qualified, I wrote back to the estate in 77, 1977. Mm-hmm. Said, any chance of a job? And the agent replied and said, yes. We will employ you as a an assistant in the tree nursery, but please note that there will be no financial remuneration for you having a degree. <laughs> <laughs> so I know that's fair enough. So I moved into a fantastic lodgings on the estate and came here, and that was in yeah, June '77. You in the same house now? No, I was no. in lodgings then. Okay. It was a wonderful place um, with a wonderful family. And then I live, so then I, you know, do what you do. And, and I knew that this was it for me. So I married here and kids went to school here, so... Have your children gone into working in a similar vein? Are no, they no. <laughs> They've got as far away from here as possible. Yeah, yeah. I don't think, having seen me come home covered in mud, freezing cold, I think they've thought, we'll turn right here. And so, no, they're, um, they're interested in it, but no, they're working completely different fields. Sure. But not literal fields. No. <laughs> it would have been nice, you know. If, um, but having two girls as well, it's a little bit different now, but it wasn't a thing then that girls sort of went into. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, of course, it's all... It's great, because everyone can do what they want. So Raywood, um, 
get my breath back. <laughs> we just walked up a rather steep hill. Raywood was, in the 18th century, a wonderful ornamental garden. Quite unusual, but had gone. Lord Howard, the current owner's father, and a guy called James Russell, mm -hmm. wished to reinstate a woodland garden. And so I came, that was one of the jobs I had. And we're looking into Raywood now, and this is the first wood I worked in 44 years ago. And you're still here. And I'm still here. Um, so it's a special place for me. Yeah, so I've wandered through the woods on the last couple of visits I've been here. Right. And it's, it's amazingly varied. It like is. You'll come across a rhododendron and then a peculiar species of a yew tree. There was one named after Prince Albert I found on the last visit. Yeah, there's a big, a wide range of species. Originally, this was, the woodland itself was felled off in the Second World War and replanted in 1947, a supposedly purely hardwood. But the head forester of the day couldn't resist slipping an odd conifer in. Sure. So we've got some massive grand firs and some spruce and a few things like that. And then in the early 70s, James Russell and Lord Howe decided to create this woodland garden. And the trees were planted in the 40s, very close spacings, four foot spacings. Mm -hmm. And it was a very dense, woodland so it was opened up then the replanting began in the 60s they brought some rhododendrons up sure then a lot of rhododendrons and azaleas but then a huge array of, of species came in here it's quite an unusual site it's acidic soil sheltered grows really good stuff so james russell who founded the arboretum brought a lot of plants in he was quite an unusual guy okay he used to come into the wood on a morning big man great big belly wearing carpet slippers and an armful of trees under his arm <laughs> and his instructions were plant them where they land and he would strew them about but he knew exactly what he was doing a brilliant vision and so and that's how we it carried on and that was the origins of of this place he sounds like some kind of the father christmas figure ah, no, yeah he was a very very good plantsman incredibly good plantsman a lovely chap, yeah. So we just come out of Raywood, so... Here's know. the Temple of the Four. Where would you rather be? Oh, it's glorious. It's absolutely heaven. There's a reason why I've come back three times in a yeah, couple yeah, of months. Yeah. It is, it's, it's wonderful. So these are all, all our woods. And of course, what people don't realise as well, all the woods are named. So everyone's got a name and there's reasons for the names. It's all part of the... What's the most interesting name? Ooh, lots. I mean, Ray Woods are interesting. Yeah, who is Ray? Now, well, Ray, you sometimes see Ray spelt with a W, but to the best of my belief is it's an old Anglo-Saxon word for a roe deer. So then, yeah, I mean, there's that, that one there. It's called Mount Zion. Mm -hmm. So it's a mount. So um, obviously they just... Comes up onto the top. Comes up. But we've got, we've got woods with lots of unusual names. We've got... Um, a lot of the woodlands are named after local tenant farmers. Okay. So we've got Woodcock Bank. So first of all, I thought that was us, named after Woodcock. Woodcocks. No. In the 19th century, Woodcocks were the farmers who had the land around the wood. Okay. So it's studying the woodland areas is very interesting. Sometimes you don't... Sometimes they're obvious. Mm -hmm. Like Pretty Wood. It's called Pretty Wood because it's pretty. Some of them are complete mystery. Uh, and that's, that's the fun of it. But they're all named... Do you think there'll be one named after you in the future? I very, very much doubt it.
Do you think you should start planting one now and try and get your you'll, name on it? Well, you'll uh, have to go and ask Mr. Howard if he's going to plant Nick's plantation. Well, my plantation, but uh, nah, I'm not. It uh, doesn't mean much to me, really. If you were to plant, if you were to get your own plantation, what would you do? I would like a woodland of native hardwoods. Uh -huh. So one of my favourite trees that I haven't mentioned is hornbeam. So I love hornbeam in it. Lime, white beam, oak, beech, all the native stuff. That's what I would plant. Like this one, see this tree? Mm -hmm. This is Serbian spruce, and I planted that in 1975. This, this specific tree. tree? Yeah. So he's done quite well. He's still doing very well. Yeah, yeah. So it's nice uh, to come in here and see the trees that I planted in the first year. But now I'd like a mixed hardwood would be good. Might stick an odd conifer in, an odd sticker, just to annoy people. <laughs> but, uh... So, how much of what you do now is preservation? How much of it is, uh, there's a nursery on site, you're also, there's a timber industry that's operated out of here? We have, yeah. So we've 2,000 acres, 816 hectares of commercial woodland. So my prime job is to manage that on a commercial basis. Sure. We also have a, um, a commercial tree and shrub nursery which I also manage. That's my background, is growing trees. But we also have a huge array of different sorts of woods. So we have woods where our prime objective is timber. Mm -hmm. We have woods where the objective is biodiversity, wet woodland, archeology. span So it's a huge range. So we try and incorporate as many objectives as we can in all the different areas. Woodlands. I mean, that's the benefit of having such a large estate, I imagine it's not something many people get the luxury of doing. No, single ownership, I mean, you can argue till the cows come home about individuals owning lumps of land. Sure. Single ownership is wonderful in a place like this. We've had 300 years of caring ownership. We've got a big woodland area, so we can leave little bits. And we know where all the nice bits are. We've had a full botanical survey done. Mm -hmm. We're on with different surveys at the moment. So areas that are biologically interesting archaeologically interesting we can leave i was reading that in i think it was in 2018 you started a five-year process of trying to sort of get a bluebell wood back or something yeah we've begun that with um we've got some fantastic oak woods on the estate but also got some other replanted mixed woodlands where the bluebells still thrive so we have some wonderful displays of bluebells um unfortunately because we manage the woodlands and because we're certified so we're not allowed you know, to use any chemicals or anything like that mm -hmm. to control number one enemy, which is brambles. Sure. So we're just actually here, and if we <laughs> if right see on the cue. impact of brambles, so we've got large areas where the brambles have smothered the bluebells out. So what we've done is we've invested in a big mulcher, mm -hmm. and we've had our first year doing it last year. We go in in late September when the bluebells have died down, and we absolutely blitz this. Sure. And in one of the first woods we did, which is not here, a wood called Brandreth Wood, which has possibly the best bluebell display on the wood, in, on the estate rather, mm -hmm. but no public footpath, so people don't see it. And the impact in the first year was incredible. Amazing. The display this May was wonderful. Will it ever be opened up to the public or will it always be private? No, it'll be private. Oh, There's lots of, lots of bluebells on, on footpaths. Well, I know Nick Howard, so... <laughs> yeah, well, you're right, he might let you in. <laughs> But that, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a big thing for us. So we're going to do that in various areas and it seems to work. We're, I'm, you know, we're sort of, it's suck it and see really. Sure. Um, but I reckon after three years, the bluebells will recover enough. What do you think 
we used to do. Brambles obviously aren't a new thing. Do you think it's just more grazing species that you sort of maybe well, hold it back? Or In managed woodlands, what you have to bear in mind is when I first came here, there were 12 woodmen. I employ one man. Okay. It was labour. Sure. So those plantations, those woodlands were all cleaned by hand with sickles and scythes and slashes and then strimmers, but we had staff. Um, sadly, for various reasons, I have one man. Mm-hmm. So we simply cannot do it. So that's why we've had to turn to other, other methods. And this is an effective way of doing it. Can you, I mean, one of the things I've been talking to a lot of people about lately is learning from things we did in the past, re-remembering things we've forgotten. Do you think there are any practices in terms of woodland management that we would benefit from leaning back to? I think so. Um, on our estate, one of the key things is to try and grow trees that are suitable for the site mm-hmm. rather than thinking, well, we'll just plant this because it grows well and it's fast and it makes us money. Sure. There is that. We've also got to learn that woodlands have got to be managed. So our woodlands were carefully managed in the past and management has still got to carry on. I think there's a little bit of a misconception that we can just plant trees and walk away. Yeah. And that's not going to work. You're not going to get the trees you want and you probably won't get the divide diversity you want. So yeah, it's looking after managing woodlands. Things have changed on this estate in the late 1850s and onwards. There was a big plan for 1,200 acres of coppice. 1,200 acres. That's massive. Because there was a huge demand for For coppice. So what you have to bear in mind is that woodlands, as well as any other business, are driven by the demands. Soon as the demand for coppice stopped, which it did with the development of other materials, you end up with this mass swathe of, of monoculture, which has exactly. no other purpose. Biodiversity has been removed, and you end up with exactly. So with are changing. So now, for example, when we fell, we clear fell and replant. We plant a minimum of four species. So our woodlands are much more resilient. So thinking about climate change, mm-hmm. the days of planting a single block of a single species are gone. There are disease threats, climate change problem or whatever it's going to be so we try and adapt to that Mm -hmm. and we try and plant species that we think because at the end of the day i'm charged with making money sure as well you know all of this has to be paid for yeah so we timber is is a big a big thing for us but we do it what we hope to be uh, a sustainable and environmentally friendly way not everyone would agree because some people don't like you felling any trees well if there's one thing that i've come across in this podcast is that Yes, everyone's working for the natural world in a way, but they can be antagonistically working against each other or aiming for the same goals simultaneously whilst they're doing that. Absolutely. Um, Just because you're a sheep farmer doesn't mean you all like sheep, for example. Absolutely. So I believe there's a spot of ancient woodland on site as well. Oh, we have, yeah. Of the 816 hectares, 550 are designated as planted ancient woodland sites. So this is one. Mm-hmm. So there's been woodland on this site for 300 plus years. Sure. That doesn't mean to say they are natural woodlands. Mm-hmm. They've been replanted several times. But we also have large, quite large areas of semi-natural woodland. And these are woodlands which have had much less intensive management and have a more natural feel. I've been here long enough to get a, a... And we know where these are. And these are carefully managed or non-managed. Sure. Whichever way you want to look at it to maintain what they've got. Do you get monitored? Do people come in and check that you're... Absolutely. We are... Um, our woodlands are certified under mm. the United Kingdom Woodland Assurance Scheme. So we have an annual audit on how we 
work in the woodlands, how we manage them, how we talk to people, how we react to people. And one of the latest things is now we have to monitor and report on the condition of our semi-ancient natural woodlands. Sure. Um, we've got a waste removal program in place to remove our tree shelters, which we have to use when we plant trees because mm -hmm. of <laughs> rabbits sure. and deer. Um, and we, you know, we've got a countryside stewardship scheme running, where which is helping us improve the woodlands. Um, things like cutting rides to improve the biodiversity on the rides. Mm. We have a grey squirrel, massive grey squirrel problem, and so we we have a, a program now to try and decrease the problem. So much of of our current sort of mission in this country seems to be removing invasive aliens, if you will. You've got, whether it's the grey squirrels or foreign trees bringing in blights or dieback or whatever, it's, we're learning, we didn't know we were making mistakes in the past and we're now just trying to roll it back as quickly as we possibly can. Absolutely, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Um, the grey squirrel is a massive pest uh, of woodlands, of birds, of bats. It, and of course, the oldest guys on the estate could remember the last red squirrels here but it's 60 years ago. Sure. No reds. And so it's it's very sad. And it's not only screw. I mean, we've one of the problems we're currently facing is Himalayan balsam, uh -huh. which is an invasive um, plant, which is, I'll find one side it opens, which is spreading rapidly along stream sides and places like this. So um, we're busy cooperating with the AOMB here and trying to remove this because um, the impact on native flora is horrendous. Sure. This is the non-garden area. So this is the bit I manage. Okay. So you've got your rare plant collection to the left and this is my bit. So this is managed for primarily for timber. Okay. But we also You wouldn't it. know by looking at it at all. No. Well, that's you know. That's the point. People think you can, you can't do, you can't have timber and you can't have wildlife and you can, but you can have them all. So we've got a little piece of standing deadwood there, which we leave. So things like that, mm -hmm. full of bite, full of um, insects. Well, what have you got there? That's a is that a nut hatch? Yep. There it goes up and down there. And they're obviously living inside. They yeah. can see the holes. And there's woodpeckers in there as well. Yeah. So this is um, managed and will be managed to produce timber and the prime species in here is oak. Raywood oak is fantastic, fantastic form because it's been carefully managed over the years sure. and we come and collect seed from here so we grow thousands and thousands and thousands of acorns in our tree nursery every year and sell local provenance oak so it's all part of a, a whole circle. Thing. Do you keep track of where they go to? I, I, no, <laughs> I do know where they go to and it's quite interesting because I've been growing trees for so long. I do go to places where I sold them trees 40 years ago and they've now got wonderful woodlands. So I do know where they go. And it, and it is always nice to go and see a wood that you provided the trees for. Sure. That, that's lovely. Do you have a garden yourself? I do, yes. Do you have, have you taken specific trees, specific acorns or... No, like? it's not big enough for acorns and things. <laughs> but I do love trees. I don't know why... I've always loved trees and I've always loved growing. So for me, the whole, even though I love forestry and I love managing this, the absolute best part of the job for me is to sow a seed and watch it grow.
and that's it. Nothing can beat it. Do you have a favourite tree? Species or individual tree? Let's go for, let's go for individual tree. On the estate I do, I have um, a favourite tree. Um, he's been dubbed the King Oak. He's the biggest oak on the estate. He's a long way from here. He's, I think I walked past him, he's down, down near, near Wellburn. Yeah. He's massive, mm -hmm. he's number one. But we have, um, part of the work we do, we have a register of all our veteran trees. So it's very important to me that we monitor our veterans. So we have a huge population of veterans, which are carefully monitored. And we also have other areas which have designated as future veterans. So we've got quite a lot of areas where the trees will be left and will be taking the place the of the next veterans generation. when sadly they collapse or succumb to disease. So yeah, I do. That's my favourite tree. And is uh, oak therefore the species? Or? No. <laughs> um, it's, it's a tree that presents me more problems than any other on the estate. Okay. But the tree I like best is beech as a species, mm -hmm. as a whole. There's just something about a mature beech tree. But sadly, they cause us lots of problems. How so? They're very prone to collapse when they're older. So they're very shallow rooted. They're prone to fungi. They're prone to branch drop, to falling over on still days. So when we have a public area, as we do here, with hundreds and thousands of visitors, tree and safety is something we take very seriously. Sure. So beech are a little bit of a problem for us, but I wouldn't be without them. Um, but of course they're not as long lived, you know, the oldest oaks we've got probably in the car park, which are round about, have been dated as to 550, 600 years old. There you go. It's a hell of a sight when you turn up here ah, and you're greeted by them. It's, those are wonderful. I don't know whether yeah. it was a, a consideration when they put the car park out there. Um, well, idea. yeah, it's not the most ideal spot to have a car park. <laughs> but um, the trees themselves are, are wonderful, yeah. And we collect seed from them and grow them on. So they're, they're progeny are now across the estate. We plant between five and 10,000 oaks a year. Sure. So it's, you know, it's, it's all a long, long circle. That's what would you like to do next? If there's anything you could do over the next five years or so, what would, your, what would you like your legacy to be? Uh, ooh, that's a good one. I think, getting, uh, to be quite honest, getting on top of grey squirrels would be number one goal. Because unless we do, we're going to leave no oak woods for the families, children, grandchildren, my grandchildren, your grandchildren, mm -hmm. because the squirrels are stripping them and it's horrendous. So grey squirrel removal would be number one on my list. Okay. We're working, we're currently working with uh, Ferrer on a contraceptive. Okay. So this is the big hope. So this is what they're putting a lot of hope on. So we do trap and we do shoot. Um, I'm not a shooting man, uh -huh. but we have to control these things. But the, the contraceptive, so they've, they've worked on it and have developed the contraceptive. What we're try now trying to work on is a means of delivering it to squirrels only. So that's some vehicle that squirrels can get into and get. Sure. And it's, it's done in other, um, other invasive species, species yeah. problems. And it will reduce the population, they think, by upwards of 80%. And for us, it would be much less labour-intensive, humane, because they'll simply not breed. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, we've got, we're, we're looking at that as the, as the big saviour. So we're gonna, hopefully going to do some trials on the estate. 
That's fantastic. That's and the other thing would be that we got Reds back. Sure. Yeah, well, that's, but that's we won't the get trickier Reds one. Well, we've got Greys, so it's as simple as that. I'm best with having grown up near Brownsea Island. So oh, always... yeah, well, I've seen them. Yeah, I've, been, I've seen them on Brownsea many years ago. If, if there's anything that you could say to my listeners to make them want to come and look around your woods, what would you say? All right. Well, this part of North Yorkshire is probably a little hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Not a lot of people don't know about the Howardian Hills. It is, I don't know, one of the most beautiful places in England. Mm-hmm. So if they come to Castle Howard, come and park. We've got over 60 miles of footpaths. Walk through the woods and enjoy them. And look for the King Oak, I guess. So look for the King Oak. Wonderful. Thank you very much indeed. That's right brilliant. On. Thank you. Is there anything more satisfying than hearing a grown man profess his desire at getting on top of grey squirrels? I think not. I am so puerile. Anyway, on Friday, I'll be back with our third and final instalment of this Castle Howard special. I'll be talking roses and wildflowers with the head of gardens and estates, Alistair Gunn. As always, please subscribe and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, and I shall see you again in a couple of days. Thank you very much for listening. Bye-bye. Oh, the oak and the ivy, oh, the oak and the ivy, oh.